Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Uh, my name is Ogi Penev. Today, I'll be your host for the Agent Power Huddle. And today, we're going to be going over CMAs and BPOs, competitive market analysis and broker price opinion. So we got quite a few people. And of course, if you have had been on one of my previous podcasts, I always want to have a co-host. So today, my co-host will be Kristen, because she was first and she's on video too. Okay, we have to unmute yourself, Kristen, because there's some rules for you to be my co-host. Okay. okay. Very important job. Okay. So first, you have to always agree with me. Agree? Okay. <laughs> okay. Say, I agree. I agree. Okay. Second, you have to give me a lot of compliments. Like, like, oh my God, this is great. Oh my God, how did you come up with this? You're so smart. Okay. Okay. Try one. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. Oh, yes. best thing I've heard all day. Great, great. Okay, all right. So, and the third thing is, if for some reason I got disconnected, if I have to go to the bathroom or something, you have to entertain the audience. Okay. Can you sing? Can you sing? I'll do the funky chicken dance. Got it. Okay. Now, all right. Today, uh, me and Kristen, my co-host, we're going to be talking about CMAs and broker price opinions. So, let me share my screen. So it will be easier for me to follow uh, a little um, PowerPoint so it's, uh, we can get this thing going. But before we do that, Kristen, let's do something. I will go over how to do a search and how to evaluate a property, but I'll, I'd like to do a little, a little um, live evaluation on my screen through my um, MLS. During I'm talking the next 15 minutes or 20 minutes, can you find a property in the Phoenix area in Phoenix so I can ev evaluate a life? Sure. So every, okay. So not now, but I'll, I'll ask you probably in about 15, 20 minutes for it. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's start. So, all right. Do you see my screen? Yes. Okay. Perfect. All right, guys. So, who am I? Why should be listening to me? Why should <laughs> why I'm qualified to do this podcast for the BPOs? Okay, I'm a social broker with EXP, got my license in 2005. So that means what 17 years in real estate, over 600 personal transactions. I think that's even a little more. Um, it's a little over statistics. I've done a lot of ARIO short sales and foreclosure properties, and which requires a lot of evaluations for the corporate clients. Also, I'm an active investor. Um, I buy a lot of properties uh, off market. So we have to be very quick on evaluating property. And uh, so we can buy it very, very quickly. I also own a property management company that also helps me evaluating the rental uh, comps. Overall, I've done over 2,000 broker price opinions and probably over 5,000 competitive market analysis for different clients. So um, what do you think, Kristen? Um, I think that's extremely impressive. 
Okay, compliment. Great, great. You're doing good. All right. It's okay. All right. So what's the difference between CMA and broker price premium? So CMA is competitive, competitive market analysis. So usually that's informal report that we prepare for listing or for some client um, that just they want to know what the property is worth. Also, for CMA, we use multiple comparables. We can use 10, 20 different comps so we can show uh, what the market looks like for that specific client. Um, there is no specific form or structure for the CMA. It could be done in any way you want. Um, a lot of the local MLSs have their own um, automatic um, CMA that you can put in the PDF and then just email it to a client. Also, there's no specific requirements for competitive market analysis. It's, it's free for your imagination. You can um, come up with all different graphs and statistics and pictures and everything so it can make it nice and pretty. So it's going to be good for your client. All right, so BPO. Uh, BPO um, is broker price opinion. So it's like a mini appraisal. It's usually a formal report that is requested by, um, let's say, a bank that wants to uh, have a REO and they need to know what the property is worth. Um, I've done a lot of BPOs for the court local um, attorneys that do bankruptcies wants me to do broker price opinion. So it helps them in their case with their clients. Um, so for the BPOs, we have to limit our comps to six comps. We have to pick three active comps and pre-sold comps. And out of this data, we have to go straight to the point um, and give them the information they want to get. Also, the BPO, the broker price opinion, is very structured report. Every company, every court, everybody has a specific form that you have to fill out the blanks, which kind of makes it easy. But at the same time, you have to know all the little details on their form and what exactly they want um, in, filled in that little space. Um, even though the BPOs are kind of standard, a lot of different banks or uh, clients, corporate clients, have asked the question in a different way, even though it's the same information they want to get. Um, also, for broker price opinions, you can actually get paid. There's companies that work specifically with banks, and that's what they do. They give broker price opinions to agents, local agents, to do the report. And they pay anywhere from fifty to one hundred twenty dollars per one. So that's a that's a some way to substitute your um, commission income too. So, Kristen, have you done any BPOs? I have not done any BPOs. Okay, uh, but probably we've done a lot of CMAs. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Okay, All right. it's probably the same. All right, let's start with um, the actual technical rules on the basics of how you can set up the search so you can quickly get the information to the client, either CMA or BPO. So here are the basic rules of property evaluation, not just for CMA and BPO, but that's what I do in my business. That's how I evaluate my properties, either to buy or my personal portfolio or some for a client. So how to set up the search. First, 
we have to decide uh, to figure out what the property is the property type. Is it single family, townhome, condo, manufacture home, land? This is very important. Sometimes um, you cannot mix the both, uh, any of these types. If the subject property we're evaluating is single family, we're going to have to go with single family homes only. You cannot choose comps, townhomes or condo. If it's a townhome, you cannot use apartments because it's a different style of property. For example, townhome is considered um, you own the land, you own the air, and you have people attached next to you. Condo, you own the box. Just you have neighbors on top and bottom, left, right, and you have ownership in the common space. So they're both very different, so it cannot be mixed. Also, manufactured homes is completely different style. So first, you have to figure out the property type. And usually, you start, that's how you find through the tax records. That's how you've, you go and confirm everything before you uh, start entering information in the MLS. Then, <clears throat> once we know the property type, we have to figure out how far our search is going to go? So how, how are we going to pick the location? I like to use the real map that we have on our MLS to choose a, a specific area around the property. So, for example, um, if it's an urban area or subdivision, I try to stay within one mile of the property. And if the property is in a rural area, then I can go, you know, three, five miles out of the property so I can find comparable comps. So one rule that I follow is I never cross major streets and freeways. So because some uh, a lot of the times on the other side of the street, even though it's kind of a very close within one mile, it's a completely different neighborhood. And the prices could be on one side could be two, three hundred thousand on the other side could be five, six hundred thousand dollars. And if I have a have to evaluate a property in a specific subdivision. Um, I try to see if I can find comps first in that specific individual subdivision or neighborhood. If I know the area, I just click the name of the subdivision so you can limit the comps just for that. That's how I usually start. But a lot of the times there's not enough information, so you have to go outside of the subdivision and uh, to get more comps. All right, so another thing that a lot of agents make a mistake is um, providing comps that have multiple levels. So what I mean is when you have a subject property evaluating at a single level, you cannot pick comps with two-level homes. And the reason for that is because the price per square feet is more on a single level versus two-level homes. So if you compare both, the numbers is not going to match. So what I'm saying is two-level homes tend to sell cheaper than the single-level homes. Chris, and do you know what, what's the reason for that? Um, is it like the, the footprint and like the price per square foot on that footprint? Uh, yes. And the demand for ranches maybe or single? Exactly, because... Uh, 2,000 square feet home, single level takes more land versus 2,000 square feet, two level home because the 2,000 square feet have a 1,000 on the first level and 1,000 on the second level. So the 1,000, 
2,000 square feet, two-level home takes land only for 1,000 square feet. So because the price of the land, that's why single families are more expensive than two-story homes. So rule, never mix single family comes with two uh, two-story homes. That's the rule. Square feet. All right, how do you decide on the square feet? If you have uh, a subject property um, of a thousand square feet, the best rule of thumb is to pick comps 10% below and 10% above the subject property's square footage. So if it's a thousand square feet, then we're going to go a range of properties between 900 and 1100 square feet. If there's not enough comps into the immediate area, then we can go and increase that gap from 20% below and 20% above. Does it make sense? So it, between 900 and 1100, and that's how we get our comps. And so we can stay as close as possible to the square feet, the square feet of the subject property. How do you set on beds, bedrooms and bathrooms? All right, so here you have to pick just like to like, you know, one bedroom, find one bedroom um, or two bedroom, like find two bedroom. Square feet, um, let me see, for the bathrooms, also tries to, to do like to like. So there's, um, in our MLS at least, is a little trick that if you don't know it, you can miss some of the comps. Some agents put that the, the listing has 1.75 bathrooms which means that the bathroom probably doesn't have, a second bathroom doesn't have a tub and they don't consider it a full bath, they consider it 0.75% bath. But practically what the regular people see is two bathrooms. So when you put in comps, at least in our MLS, I don't know what's the trick in your MLS, but I always do 1.75, so I don't miss any comps. I don't put two bed, two bathrooms. I put 1.75 because some agents just, they enter the information differently and I don't want to miss that comp. Also, if you don't have exact bedrooms for this exact subject property, you can pick our higher bedroom count because the square footage match is more important versus the bedroom um, match. What I'm saying is, if you have three bedroom pr property and you try to find a three bedroom comp, but there's none and there's only four bedroom comps, but the four bedroom has the same square footage as a subject property, let's say one is 1500 and the other one is 1500, it's perfectly fine to give more uh, more weight on the square footage versus the bedrooms. Um, and that's what usually the appraisers do anyway. So I think that's a good practice when you're doing CMAs or broker price opinions. All right. All right, so time. What I mean, when I say time, how far back do you go to pick your comps? And there's no set rule and everything depends on your market conditions. So it's all based on the, how active the market is. So let's say in the last year and a half, we've had seller market. Uh, 
which means in our market, for example, so at some point the properties were going up in value with maybe one to 3% per month. So when you have a fast moving market, the closer, the less time, the better, because when something gets sold, two months later, that information is old news. Because two months pass by and the properties have appreciated, you know, two, three percent. So if you have a um, uh, fast moving market, high activity, either seller's market or buyer's market, prices going way higher or way down, try to stay within a month. Don't put, don't pick sold comps more than one month. And in markets like this, I give a lot of weight on the pending sales because whatever got sold, it's, it's old news. Either the property already went up in value or went down in value. So what I want to see is what the buyers are willing to pay at the current market. And the best indication for that is the pending sales. So that's how we see what at what price the buyer is willing to make an offer on the property. We still don't know what's going to sell for, but at least we know um, where where the buyers stand and want to get uh, offers to the property. If you if you if you work in a balanced market uh, when everything's pretty quiet, nothing up, nothing down, going back up to six months is perfectly fine. That's what the appraisers do, and just go way back. <clears throat> and if if in a fast fast moving market. Um, the if you can it cannot find a comp with your immediate area, it's better to go further back in time to find similar comp versus going outside of the area or outside of the mileage. For example, if you're evaluating a property in a subdivision and within this one mile of the subdivision, there's no comp for the last three months, then go six months. And if there's only one comp, then go eight months to find your comps, but stick with the distance, stick inside the subdivision. But there's one important thing you have to do when you do this, because the market is from eight months ago uh, until now, the market shifted, either went up or went down. So you need to know what's your average appreciation or depreciation per month, so we can you can adjust your value pro, uh, appropriately for the time being. For example, if you have a if a evaluating a property in a subdivision in a comp eight months ago, that same comp exact same match sold for two hundred thousand, and you know that the market has been going up in value half percent for the last eight months, you know that this 200,000 property appreciated with 4%. So you have to give adjustment higher because for timing, because during this long eight months, the property went up. So you don't use the old value, you give it adjustment for the time, either up or down. Is this too confusing, Kristen? No, I actually found it interesting that um, 
you would look at give more weight to pending sales right now because I feel like we've always been taught like closed sales, but yeah, when the market's changing so quickly, that makes total sense. Like that, yeah, like an aha for me just now. Active, okay. I need a compliment right now. Oh, you're doing a fantastic job. You should check the chat. It's very okay. helpful. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this information till now was the most important to to set up the search. Here's some secondary information that you might put in or might not. It's not crucial for the um, uh, for the search if you don't have comps. For example, pools. Don't worry if there's no additional comps with pools or the same lot size or the property inside is remodeled and the other one is not remodeled. Also, one property is older than the other one. All this, we call it adjustments. So if you have a, if your subject property has a pool and you pull a comp that has exactly same bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, and features inside, but doesn't have a pool, all you do is just give it a little extra value uh, adjusted for the pool. And in our market, depends on the area, pool could be anywhere from, I would say, 10 to 30,000, depends on the location. So I just put this uh, adjustment. And then lot size, if your subject property is half acre, but the comp is one acre, it just do an adjustment for the for the land and it just um, take a little value from the comp or add a little value to the comp so you can adjust it appropriately. Um, basements, okay, here's one thing that a lot of people don't understand about basements. Uh, basements are tricky. You have to find uh, properties that have basement to give you a very good indication what the value is for property with basements. And if you don't, if your subject property has a basement, uh, sorry, if your uh, subject property has a basement, but the comp doesn't have a basement, you cannot give a full value per square feet for your basements, uh, basement square footage. So let's say you have above ground 1,500 square feet and you have 500 square feet finished basement. And the above ground 1,500 square feet um, uh, property sells at 100, square, 100 dollars per square feet. And you have to give additional adjustments for the below ground square footage. What usually the appraisers do, they don't give a full value of $100 per square feet for the basement. They give it like a 60% probably. So above ground is gonna appraise at $100 per square feet. Below ground is gonna appraise at $60 per square feet. So be very careful, basements are tricky. And of, of course, compared to the areas, it's all different, but um, never give a full value to a basement. Um, all right, so what to be careful for. Um, if you have multiple comps, you have 20, 30 comps and it's too many, you have to get as close as possible to your subject property. Um, what you do is you avoid the high and low comps. What you mean is if a comp is what's so, if everything sells at around 300,000, and you see a comp sold for 190, there's something wrong with this comp. Just ignore it and don't put it into your report. Or if anything, everything sells in 300 and suddenly you see something sold for 470 and something weird, also remove it from your report. Just try to stay with the average, something more reasonable that you can explain. Um, avoid land leases 
uh, if the property is on a land lease and if they don't own the land or, um, oh, there's a typo here. Oh my, an HOA. Um, so sometimes people, um, properties with HOA, people don't like properties with HOA and that could be a reason for the property to sell lower. Or if it's a land lease, then the price is way, way different. Um, if you want to see, um, uh, to uh, get rid of some other comps, try to see what the the comps uh, used as a financing. Because for example, when a property so, sells at a seller carryback, they tend to sell at a higher price because the buyer usually have some kind of a issue with getting regular loan from the bank. They want to go with the homeowner to finance, which is a little more risky in the homeowner. It's um, not so common. And in order to um, the seller to agree to do the seller carryback, they usually do uh, a higher price, a premium price in order for the buyer to take the property as a seller carryback. So they tend to sell a little higher, can do a little adjustments. And um, are you like a bank owned property, short sales? You know, it can either um, remove them from your report or add them, depends if you're evaluating an ARIO or a short sale. So these are usually, we call them a distress sales. So um, the seller, acted as some kind of a distress. So they could not get the full value, full market value of the property. So that has to be taken into consideration. All right, cool. All right, so finally, um, how do you take your pictures for broker price opinion? So I'm gonna kind of walk you through virtually how I do it. So you know how to, to take proper pictures. First, when you go to the property, always start with the address of the property close view. So this will tell you that where you are. And then after you're taking 50 pictures, um, you end up with picture of the address again. So you know where this property starts and the property pictures ends, because sometimes you might have to take two or three property pictures for two or three properties per day and the pictures could get mixed up. So in order to know where it starts and ends, start with the address and end with the address like close view. So then you take pictures of the street, you go right, you go left and take two pictures. This is to give an idea to whoever is looking to the report, what the neighborhood looks like. Then go on the both sides of the property, go on the right, go on the left, so you can see what it looks on the side. Then clo go closer to the utility, uh, cluster of you know the box and everything. So take a picture so you know what what's there. Is there gas? Is there electricity? Is there solar panels? When it's close, um, whoever is looking for the report can get a clear view of what's what's there. Then when you walk into the property, you start with the entrance, hallways, then do the living room, um, then go to the kitchen. What do you what do you want to do? Is um, you want to tell a story. You know, you don't just want to take random pictures, backyard, kitchen, bathroom. Just think of it of you walking inside the home. How are you going to start reviewing the home? So that's how you do your pictures. Then go to each room. And when you take a picture, do it situated in the middle so you can get the, the, the floor and the ceiling and you get both at the same time. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. It's just right in the middle so you can get both. So then do two sides. Uh, of the of the one bedroom, one probably facing the window and the door, and the other one's storage in the door depends on the, on the angle. But always take two pictures per 
bedroom. Bathroom try to do one picture because they're very confusing. So wide angle um, photos w- work really nice. And be careful with taking picture against the window, uh, the mirror, because you're going to be on the picture. <laughs> so uh, it's not it's not professional. Um, if you go to the kitchen, you need to get probably three pictures minimum of of the kitchen. You want to get all the angles, all the cabinets, plus all all the appliances, so you know what's there. Uh, backyard, go in the very far corner, on the right, on the left, um, and take pictures because whoever is reviewing the report, they want to see the whole uh, property, how what it looks on the on the uh, um, from the backyard, and. Um, Take a little uh, back view of the property itself, the walls and the roof and everything so the person can know what it looks like. Take closer view, uh, uh, zoom the the, um, the camera or the phone towards the um, HVAC or the roof so you can person can see the um, the age probably and kind of get an idea uh, if they're in a good shape. Once you're done with the pictures in the walkthrough, then Go take pictures of each repair or each problem you saw in the property. So let's say hole in the wall, dirty carpet, uh, missing appliance. Go into take a, a closer view so you know um, what um, uh, when you do evaluation later, it can remind you what to do for cost for repairs. Some people also we do videos for the properties. So the best thing to do for the video is when you enter the video, start going uh, clockwise. Take the first, the, the room on the right, 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 and they go left and go in the backyard and that's how you finish. So um, videos are really great. They, they help a lot and tell the story too. All right, 30 minutes, wow, right on the spot. I think we're not going to have much time for doing live evaluation, um, but let's go ahead with some Q&As. How about that? Kristen? Um, I don't really have, um, I mean, I don't do BPOs. I mean, I just do CMAs. So I guess like, when would you differentiate the difference between the two? Besides compensating for the one. Uh, So BPO is like an official report, mini appraisal. And usually it's from, uh, corporate client, like a bank, court, uh, an attorney, something that uh, you have a little bit higher uh, standard on performance, and you might get legally in trouble if you're not correct, if you give the wrong value. So because the BPS I do, they used in court in a serious legal issues. and. If I cannot defend my BPO and my price, and I intentionally go up or down, this could cause a lot of trouble for everybody, in, including me. So CMA is more like uh, your body calls you and say, hey, can you give me a report what my value looks like? And you jump in and pick 20 comps and email it to them and do little graphs and averages and things like that. So that's the difference. But if you're planning to start working with banks, on listing their bank-owned properties, um, you're gonna have to do BPOs. There's no other way. It's just part of the business. Right, yeah, like part of the process, I gotcha. Gotcha, yes. 
besides you using pendings in your, you know, the aha moment, what else was a, was a good tip for you? Um, well, I mean, I was kind of familiar with like the basement square footage differences. Um, cause we do that kind of similarly here. Um, I liked, you know, the 10% on each side with like the square footage rule and, you know, not going outside of like your neighborhood, just going further back in time instead, because, you know, it is really neighborhood specific and not crossing the freeway. Cause here we do have a city where the one zip code on the one side of the freeway, the values are much different than the zip code on the other side of the freeway. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do we have any other questions or anything from the audience? I'm not looking at the chat. See what's in I don't chat. see anything in the chat as far as questions. They're saying thank you. Okay. Um, we can do a live evaluation if you want me to. Probably it's going to take another five, 10 minutes. Um, do you guys want to see it, how I do it on the computer, or maybe we can leave it for some other time? Uh, guys want to stay for another five ten minutes yes uh, michelle wants to see it and yes, yes. Hillary. yep okay and we have three people all right let's do that um so you guys see my screen correct yes all right so this is you see my mls now mm -hmm. all right so this is my mls so let's go uh, can you put property into the chat so i can uh, the address that they ask you to prepare for me um, do you want like a for sale by owner, like a random for sale by owner one? Sure. Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. I was looking at a couple here. Um, I'll find you one that's kind of been on for a while so you can see what's going on there. Oh, man. Now, now you're going to make it hard for me. What the Remember, problem? You're my co-host, you know, you got to be, you got to be nice to me. Well, this one has pretty pictures, so. All right. I'll tell you right away. It's overpriced. Well, obviously, if it's been on for a while, but it's also for sale by owners, so maybe they don't know what they're ah, doing. Out of all the properties, you got to give me New River. Come on, New River, <laughs> Arizona. It's crazy. All right. All right. So um, I don't know anything about this property. It's. Um, Do you want to give me more of one in Phoenix, or is this one good? No, no, no. You? This is Phoenix. It's just a rural area north of Phoenix. So okay. Perfect, perfect indicator. <clears throat> All right, guys. So uh, first, what I do is uh, Kristen calls me and says, hey, um, I have this uh, property I want to buy. Can you give me a quick evaluation so I know what it, uh, what the value is? What should I pay for? And I don't know anything in the property. So I take the address. And first, what I do is I go in my local tax records. And in Arizona, we have very good um, MLS with very good um, tax record information connected. It's called Monsoon. Um, but if don't have Monsoon in the local market, just use whatever you have. But always start with finding the basic information for the property based on the tax records, on the official records. Even if you um, the person gives you the information, you still have to confirm it. <clears throat> so I go on the tax record and I go on the address. Um, I the address that we are evaluating is 43912 North 50th Lane in New River, Arizona. And <clears throat> I tried to find it in the tax record first because one another reason for that is the address that you were given might not be the right address. Could have a uh, you know typo or anything, anything different. So you have to be careful. Um, all right, so now I see. I have the, the property address. I see a little map where the property is located. I confirm the, the owner and I confirm what type of a property is. I see it's a, a single, si, si, single family residential. Um, 
property also I see it's been used as a rental property here. You know, it's a little additional information. Um, I, I see the deed history, what's the owner, how much they bought it for, and how they got it. So I, I immediately want to see if they have equity in the property or they're going to be some kind of a trouble. So then I want to see how much, what kind of a loans they have. I see in the 2021, they refinanced in 370,000. Okay, they have a mortgage, but that's not so important. What I want to know is the structure. I want to know the actual information for the property so I can put the right search in the MLS. All right, I know living area, we have uh, 1,900 square feet. Property is built in 2001. There's a pool at the property. Um, so, and then it's a two-car garage. Now, our uh, tax records pretty detailed, gives a lot of information. So, um, uh, we 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 tend to use this first. What the next thing I want to know is how big is the lot land area? So it's 1,100 square feet, and now I have a pretty good information about the property. So the next thing I do is I just Google the property, and there's so much things you can do. You can figure out by Googling the property. The first thing I start with, I want to see the street view. Remember, I don't know anything about this property. I don't have any pictures. I just have an address. All right. So I see this property. Uh, I want to see the neighborhood. Okay, great. Uh, I have a pretty good idea. Now I go back and the, the next thing I want to do is I want to see on the map if the property is backing to major streets or freeways or some kind of a negative thing on the back end. What I do is I do a satellite view and I wanna see where the property is. Okay, so we have uh, 51st Avenue. Okay, this could be, um, you know, it's okay. It's not a busy road. So both sides, kind of a little negative, but not that bad. It has no neighbors. It's different, you know, it's view. So I got an idea what the location is. All right, so now I have a pretty good, um, basic information so I can set up my search. So I have a little map here and I like to do um, uh, maps to search to search the um, comps based on the location. So <clears throat> I know because I live in Phoenix, been here for a while, I know the area pretty well. I've done a lot of business. So I know where New River is and I know so New River is a rural area, um, a little higher over here in, on this map, which uh, gives me, uh, usually uh, New River is a rural area. But because I, I look at the, the photo here and I see this is a subdivision, then um, now everything's changing on me. The information I knew about New River doesn't apply. It's not a rural area. It's a neighborhood. So I, I zoom out a little bit. And then I do satellite view and I see, oh my God, there's a subdivision over here. So this is the perfect situation. Now I know where to set up my location and how far I want to stick here in this subdivision so I can get the immediate, the immediate um, uh, comps. So what I do is I start my search. And I'm not sure if MLS looks the same, but I'm sure they're very close. So I have the, the map and then I know where the property is located. And I zoom and I have this little subdivision I know. So what I do is I want to go around the map. Now I have my location. I want to look for comps 
here in this location, right? So now I want to see everything. I want to see my actives on the contract. I want to see pendings and I want to see closed. But now we're going to pop up with 345 properties because I don't have set, I didn't set limits on the timing. So now I go and I want to set limit on timing. Right now, our MLS is set at six months defaulted going backwards. But I know that our market is shifting and six months is way too far back and it's going to give us the wrong information. So I don't want to go more than two months. So I'll go in June. So I have nine potential comps that I can use. That's perfect. That's good information. First thing I do is I open all the comps, just to get an idea of what's out there. What's the lowest? What's the highest? And kind of see what everything is selling for. All right. So we see lowest 689, 950. Okay. So now we're going to be in these price points. Next thing I start um, choosing type of property, single family. So when we do the search, I want to sometimes I go back and I, um, when I Google the, uh, the, the property, yes. I see on Zillow, I can get some comps, uh, some more information. For sale by owner, okay. Three bedroom, two bathroom, 1,900 square feet. All right, that's what I want to do. Um, I'm, first, I want to do square footage. I don't want to do anything less than 10%, so 1,700. And then I, I don't want to do anything more than 10%, which is about 21, 2100. Okay. That will be the perfect scenario. And, but there's zero comps in that. So now I have to decrease at 20% and increase at one out of 10%. So I can, you see, I have three comps. Okay. Uh, let's start working with these three comps and the square footage. Then also, I want to see in the tax record, we have a little cheat says, Stories S for, for us, it means single level. And when you look at here, you see if it's a single level. So I want to make sure I don't take, do any two level stories, two level homes, uh, because they're not going to, they're going to mess up my, um, evaluation for the year. I don't worry about it because it's a subdivision, which means it's, it's built within a year and a half, which each property. So it's a perfect comparable. They all new properties. Um, I leave the garages. They're pretty similar and everything, nothing special. I leave everything. Op um, quite open because I don't have a lot of comps. I want to have as much comps as possible. Uh, in order to evaluate it, even if I have to do adjustments. So now I have three comps. I want to see the three comps got listed. So right now we have um, listed 689, 21 square, 2100 square feet, 685, same exact floor plan also uh, listed. And we have something sold, same property for 640 uh, for 2128. So now our subject property is listed for 789, which kind of surprises me. So I have to see what the hell is going on. You know, then I want to see each one individual. Our property has pool. So I want to add pool to see here's a private pool. And then we have two comparables with private pools. So one is on the contract, the other one got sold. And then now I have 
limited to some comps. Then I want to go and look at the features of the property based on the pictures. Nice views, premium lot, RV, jacuzzi, spa, floor plan. Okay, inside, remodeled, pretty new. All the properties probably will look the same because they're in the same subdivision. I'm just looking for something. Oh, donkey. Yeah, that's it. That's the main selling point. Um, RV gate, which is a plus because you can park your. That's that's something that you have to take in consideration because it's not common in subdivisions. All right, I have a pretty good view. Now I go back to my comps and I start looking at the comps as a as a photos. I want to see what they look like. Are they how they compare to the subject? Okay, same property. Um, oh, we have an extra garage here. Let's see how many garages do we have. We have two. Okay, that's we got to ding our property for that doesn't have a three-car garage, so we're going to reduce the value of our property. Inside, nice um, setup. Everything is new. Not so much different than our property, the subject property. All right, we have nice, we have a pool. We have um, nice, really good backyard, real grass. And now I want to see the location compared to our, okay. So you see, this is where the location is. Our property is over here, very, very close, very close. So um, it, it's it's a really good comp for this one. Now I go on to see this because this one is spending at 685 and it has something sold 640. That's quite a bit lower, you know. Uh, we, got, we got to see what's going on here. Um, so I look at the, the pictures again, just to see what's inside, how it compares. I guess a pretty standard pool. I don't know, pretty decent. It's it's the same thing. Three car garage. Okay, so now I have a pretty good view of what things got sold and what things buyers are willing to pay, because in a in a fast moving market, um, we we know that um, uh, the the sold comps are not correct. And we now I go back and see how long it was in the market when it got sold. Seventeen days. It, they started at six seventy five. And pretty much to what um, the current pending is, and they got 640, you know, after 17 days. But it was a cash deal. So we have to take into consideration that um, the financing, the, you know, the loan type, it was cash, which means quick close, no appraisals. And the, um, the seller might have given a little discount just for having the cash. Now we're going back to 685 comp and see, okay. All right, this probably was on a 104 days on the market, started at 694, they dropped the price. And after being a little longer in the market, they might be willing to make a discount. So, which means that 685, they're not going to get it. They, and because there's a comp at 640, and the buyer is going to look at this and is going to say, oh, I'm not going to pay 685. But at the same time, the 640 was cash and not so great. So, Probably the 685 is going to sell, sell somewhere in around 660, 665, because I know the market is now in a, in a downturn. So the buyers have the upper hand and they will be negotiating. So I'm predicting that this property is going to sell in the 660, 670. Now I have a really realistic idea what a 32 
2100 to 2100 square feet is going to sell in the subdivision. Now I go back to our subject property and I see how it compares. Almost the same square footage, a little higher, three bedroom, two bathroom pool, exactly what our future cell comp is going to look like uh, in the 670. So now I know that this property is absolutely not worth 789. This property is worth somewhere in the 650 price range because it's a little lower square feet than our perfect comp. We have our comp. If this is going to sell for 660, 670, this one is um, 100 square feet lower. So this is going to get probably in the 650. And that's what the market value is. All right. Sorry, I was going really fast so I can get it done pretty quickly. But uh, I hope you guys learned something. And um, if your MLS compares to ours, maybe just copy what I do. And this is going to be on recording so you can replay it and pause it and, and try to do it. So, all right. Final questions. Uh, we have one minute. One final question, and, and we're going to end this because it's we're 20 minutes over, and they're going to kill me. <laughs> they're not going to let me do another, another podcast. So. That was super helpful, I feel like. I'm sure it was for everyone else. All right, guys. So if you have um, any... Yeah, that was fantastic. A, Thank you. I, I have a quick question about this specific address that we were talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, so should we take in, under consideration the fact that in this area, like, for example, we have this a huge plant that it's going on there. I mean, it's a it's a it's a factory for, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, should we take this uh, for consideration that there's probably going to be a really big demand? And actually, the area is uh, it's blooming right now just because of that. I can see a lot of uh, new houses and new complex are uh, um, getting no. built there. Uh, short answer, no, because you're doing value right now at the moment for today. Gotcha. You're not you're not projecting projecting value for the next. You know, if the client says, "What do you think is this is going to cost in, in X amount of years?" Then you can go creative, but it's still. It's still hard to to predict. Uh, is going to be developed in two years or in twenty years? So everything depends. But when you're doing evaluation, evaluation is good. Um, I would I wouldn't evaluation fast moving market evaluation is good only for thirty days. Usually appraisals are good, appraisals are good for sixty for six months. Uh, but I would say in banks BPOs they consider um, one hundred and eighty days. After 180 days, you have to do a new, new one. I know fast moving market like today, uh, one or two months. So, but you're doing the appraisal for today's value right now at the moment. What you're going to put an offer today and get the property today. Gotcha. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the agent power huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the agent collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.